Hello. It's being recorded. All right, everybody, open your Bibles. Colossians 3. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Yes, Alex will pass out the Bibles to you heathens who didn't bring them. All right. Colossians 3, starting in verse 12. While you're turning there, I want to say a little bit. Um, I have been where you guys are. I have sat in those chairs. In fact, I'm only like one year older than a lot of you. Um, And I know what it's like to have, you know, the youth pastor preach to you every Sunday night. Um, And then all of a sudden have him introduce the intern and, you know, expectation levels drop. It's it's true. It happens. I understand that. And there's some merit to that. I'm going to give you that. I'm not going to do this as well as Aaron. He's had training and time and all that. Um, But what I do want to say is that I have no less authority than Aaron right now. Um, And that doesn't come from myself, but it comes from the Word of God. See, I'm not translating what I think this says or what I think you need to hear. I'm sticking to what the Bible says. And so what I have to say, because it's God who does the work, is not reliant on me so I just encourage you guys, take it seriously. Um, don't think, oh, this isn't going to be as good. This isn't going to affect me as much. Um, but actually let it, let it get to your heart and let the Spirit work. So, for, uh, not first, Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. Everybody there? <clears throat> All right. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. God, I thank you for tonight. Um, I thank you for the opportunity to um, share what is in your word. Um, God, help me to stay faithful to the text. Um, Help me to not put my own words in there. But um, God, I just pray that you would work through me and that you can be glorified using weak vessels such as me. Yeah, I just pray for the hearts here in this room, my own included. Uh, God, teach us to forgive uh, because you have forgiven us us of so much. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. All right, I mentioned it in my prayer, but forgive because you have been forgiven more. All right, that's what we're going for tonight. But I want to ask you guys, do you really believe me when I say that? Like... Forgive. Do you really believe that you have been forgiven more? Um, quick tip on rhetorical questions. The quicker you answer them, the less honest you are being with yourself. Um, take the time to really think. Do I really actually believe that I have been forgiven more than I am able to forgive? See, 
Corten Boom uh, lived during the Second World War um, under Nazi rule, and she hid Jews from the Nazis so that they wouldn't take them away to concentration camps. Well, eventually she got caught. Her whole family got caught, and for that crime, they all got taken off and um, put in different concentration camps. I think she was in the same one as her sister, but all the rest of her family she never saw again. Um, they all ended up dying, except for Corey Timboom, in these concentration camps. And I mean, these things were pretty brutal places. I'm sure you guys have heard the history lessons, um, but still, it never hurts to be reminded. They were gassed um, once they were, sometimes just right away, and then they would have their teeth knocked out and the gold fillings collected for money. Um, that's part of how Nazi Germany financed their war machine. Um, they would be worked until they literally dropped, and then they'd just be thrown in a mass grave. Um, they suffered beatings and humiliation. They were treated as less than human, almost less than animal. Um, but she survives the war, Corrie Tim Boom, survives the whole war in this camp. And at the end of the war, she still believing, still strong in her faith. And she's going around preaching and sharing her testimony to others, giving encouragement, all that. Um, and so she does that at this one church. And then afterwards... Um, she goes and mingles in the crowd, you know, walks down the aisle, shaking people's hands, whatnot. Um, and she's confronted by this guy, this older gentleman. Um, in her flash, she recognizes him as one of her old guards, uh, one of the guards who is, you know, promoting this beating, these beatings, these humiliations, keeping her stuck in this little literal hell on earth. Um, and the man comes up to her and says, like, I want you to tell me that God has forgiven me. And this is what she writes in her memoirs. I stood there. I, whose sins had again and again been forgiven and could not forgive. It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed like hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one outstretched to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder and raced down my arm and sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all my heart. For a long moment we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intently as I did then. See, do you believe that you can forgive because you have been forgiven more? See, no human measures could allow for that kind of forgiveness, right? Right? Like, she, she even admitted, like, in herself, she did not want, this is the hardest thing she had ever done. She did not want to forgive this man. Um, but only the realization that she herself had been forgiven again and again of her sins was able to prompt her to, to forgive this man. 
And that's the kind of forgiveness that we see in verse 13, um, where Paul says, Bearing with one another, if one has a complaint against the other, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. So tonight we're talking about forgiveness, the one another's, oh, it's not up there. Um, The one another's, forgive one another. Christian community, forgiveness is vital. And so tonight I want to talk about what our source for forgiveness in a Christian community is, uh, and then a little bit of application on what it might look like. So, let's hop into the source. Verse 12, right back to the top. I'm going to read it. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint, forgiving each other. Now, not to go all English class on you, but there is a key word in here. Anybody want to guess what it is? No, nah, i just tell you. It's then, all right? The key word is then, right at the beginning. I'd be impressed if you got that. Put on then. Now, English class, you have an if-then statement, right? If, blank, then, blank. You know, it's a causation. If I shoot somebody, then I will go to jail. For a long time, you know? (laughs) Oh, my. That's the youth pastor. Um, But, so, then signifies a cause and effect relationship, right? Something happens, and then there's a result. Well, that's what we see here, right? There's a then. So, we have the result, right? He lists that big list of things. He says compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness. Um, Those are our results of something else happening. So then, our goal is to look at what is the cause. Um, And he has it right there, very clearly stated, and I love this. He says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, right there. So that's it. God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That's what causes all those other qualities of Christian community. The fact that God actually loves you. You know, that God would call you holy, which is set apart. He would call you beloved. Guys, I don't know how to stress the fact that God actually loves you. Like, God actually loves you so much that He likes you. I don't even like half of you. No, I'm joking. <laughs> it's a classic Lord of the Rings line where Bilbo's like, I like, or I know ha- less than half of you half as well as I should like, and I like less than half of you half as well as you deserve. Whoa. But, no, God actually likes you all the way. He likes you as you are, not as you should be, you know, not the perfect you. God loves you, likes you as you are. See, Hebrews 12, 2, you don't have to flip there. Uh, I'll just read it to you. But Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Okay, let that sink in. That should be crazy. All right. The words joy and the word cross... Do not belong together. Like, the cross, that, a Roman execution tool. Like, 
man, if you guys can understand what it was like to be crucified. I hope you never do, but I'm going to give you a little picture. <laughs> I want to give you a little picture because it's good to think about what Jesus went through. Right? This is what he did for the joy set before him. He was betrayed by somebody who had been his, one of his best friends, following him around, um, betrayed into the hands of his enemies. They were taken, had a bunch of trials, most of which were illegal. Um, at most of them, he was probably beaten. Um, he was mocked. They gave him a crown of thorns, like that one. And we think, like, crown of thorns, oh, that's cute. Like, blackberry bushes. No, like this thing. I actually like this crown of thorns. Look at this. These are like miniature spears. And they would shove it down on his head so it's stuck in his scalp. And he's bleeding down, all right? They give him a staff and a robe and say, all hail the king of the Jews. And then they beat him up with his own staff. And then after the Jews realize, oh, we can't legally execute him, they send him to the Romans, and try and get him executed that way. And the Romans once again beat him and have trials, and they're all bogus. And eventually Pilate, who's in charge of this trial, is like, no, this this guy's really innocent, I can tell. So he takes him before the crowd and with this other man named Barabbas, who is a murderer, um, convicted felon murderer. And he takes... Barabbas, the thug, and Jesus, and he presents them both. And he says to the crowd, all right, you guys choose who goes free. Uh, Do you want the innocent Jesus to go free, or do you want the thug, Barabbas, to go free? And they all shout, you know, crucify Jesus, we want Barabbas. Um, That is just insane, like, that you would choose somebody who's a known thug over Jesus. And Pilate is like, man, you guys are crazy. He washes his hand in a bowl and he's like, this man's blood is on you. Um, And so he has Jesus flogged. Roman whips, pretty nasty. They had the handle split into three prongs of rope, which they would tie in shards of glass and little rocks. And so when it hit, it would stick in, and then when they pulled it out, it would rip open gashes. And then on the end of it, they had a hook. So it would go all the way around, hook into your skin, literally peel chunks of your skin off. Um, And then after that, they take him, they steal all his clothes, um, and gamble them away. They, you know... Take him, they tell him, oh, carry the cross beam of your cross up the hill. Well, he can't do that. He's literally almost dead um, from these beatings. So they get some other guy to go carry it for him. And as Jesus is going up the hill, um, they have people spitting on him, mocking him, pulling out his beard. That would really hurt. Trust me, if you're a girl, you don't know, but it would really hurt. Um, It would probably tear your skin out with your beard. Um, this is, you know, just awful, gruesome stuff. You lay him down on the cross, nails in the hands, the nails in the feet, one nail through both feet. They raise him up. And the cross, you don't die from, like, bleeding out. You die from suffocation because your arms are outstretched and your lungs are filling up with your own blood because you've been beat up so much already. 
And so his lungs are filling up with, with blood, and his only way to get a breath is to push off his feet, which are nailed to the cross, get a gasp, and then sink back down. You know, and eventually he collapses, and he's, you know, they think he's dead, so just to make sure, they run a spear up under his rib cage and poke his heart and puncture his lung, and, like, blood and water flow out. And, like, that sounds pretty awful. I don't know if you've seen The Passion of the Christ. This is a pretty good job of showing you how awful, how painful that would have been, the physical side. But, and even worse than the physical side was Jesus' separation from the Father. Like, all that torture I just described was the easy part compared to what happened when the Father turned his face away. Um, That God the Son would be separated from God the Father. I do not know how that works. I'm going to lay that out there. I do not know how the heck that happened, but I know it did. Um, And I know that through that, Jesus takes our sin upon himself and dies with it. So why do I why do I go through all this gruesome detail, right? Some of you, I could see you were like looking down and like, oh, tearing chunks of skin off with a whip, like that sounds awful. Um, I do it for a purpose, right? Back to Hebrews twelve two, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Do you realize why Jesus actually endured the cross? What his joy was? It was you guys. The joy that Jesus had to go up there and say, it is finished, was that he finished your sin. It's so vital that you guys can grasp that God loves you. That God would sacrifice himself both to that brutal physical death and this, this spiritual death of separation from God um, just to bring you to himself. See, if we don't grasp that, you know, how much God loves us, we think there's something still left to be done, right? We think, well, you know, God loves me, sure, but I've got to do some stuff to make sure he likes me or, you know, I've got to make sure that I'm deserving of you know, whatever, or, you know, maybe Jesus will forgive me, but I've got to do some other stuff first um, in order to earn that. And so you start doing works. And let me tell you, doing works is like putting lipstick on a pig. Hear me out. All right, just get that image in your head real quick. I want you to think of a pig and then smearing lipstick on it. Right? That's scary. That's wrong. (laughs) You should never do this. <laughs> you see, when we try and do works to earn God's favor, when we try and do works to, to beautify ourselves and make us look more attractive to God, whatever, um, we are actually like disdaining what Jesus did on the cross. We're saying, Jesus, I don't think what you did on the cross is really enough. Uh, like, we're saying, Jesus, I don't think... When you're beat up enough, all that stuff, and we're whipped and flogged and separated from your own self, your own father. I don't think that was enough. See, but it is enough. And Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. So, what does this mean? Our motivation 
for forgiveness, our motivation for forgiveness to you, my brothers and sisters. Um, it is from Christ. It doesn't come from my desire to please God um, so I can get a better standing with Him. It comes from the crazy love that God showed on the cross. It comes from the gospel. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Those are verses 14 and 15. You see, there are a couple things that I want you guys to get out of this series, the whole series of one another's. I think you'll notice it every week, um, even if it's not me up here doing it. These are pretty fundamental truths about community and Christian community. Is one that love, um, Christian community always has to come from love. Right? That was the first verse. Put on love above all, um, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Right? So that's what Aaron even talked about for the first series, first sermon. Um, putting on love. But then the second thing I want you guys to notice um, is that next part. Um, And that let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you're called in one body. See, peace of Christ, what does that mean? Well, we think of peace as like a funny little feeling, you know? (laughs) I feel at peace. You know, ah, it's like a tranquility, ah. Um... You know, it's just like, I feel good, you know, I'm at peace, I'm not stressed. Um, but the peace here is like a military term. Like, you have war, and then if you're not at war, you have peace. You know, there's no fighting going on. There is fighting going on, no fighting going on. Peace. Um, that's the kind of peace that is being used here. It's, it's not saying, oh, I feel good, you know. It's saying that, man, we were at war with God. Every time we sin, we're like sending a new declaration of war. God, I declare war on you. You know? Every time. Man, that's a lot of declarations. Um, but that Jesus, the peace of Christ, is through the cross, Jesus rips up all those declarations and says, you know what? You are with me. You are my son. You are my beloved. So, what am I getting at there? That our source for Forgiveness, right? What is our source for forgiveness? It's the gospel. Plain and simple. If you're going to ever forgive anybody in here of anything, you have to have the gospel. We are innately selfish people. We do not like to forgive, right? Somebody does you wrong, your first instinct is never to forgive. Unless you're different from me in a big way. Um, my first instinct is retaliate, you know, knock them out. But with the gospel, we can realize, man, God loved me first. God forgave me first. I can forgive someone else. And so that kind of leads into my application. Um, I would like, you know, my instinct was when I was preparing this, I was like, man, I should uh, 
get some specifics and be like, you know, if this situation arises, then you should say this, or this is what you should remember. You know, this is what you should do. But that's not what it said in here, so I kind of stuck with the Word of God, because it's better than I am. So, let's see, what is, what is the application that we get from this passage? And I think we just read through it. The same, Paul's application is the gospel. All right, sounds repetitive, I know. You are forgiven through the gospel. Now, how do you forgive others? Through the gospel, right? But it's more than this. Um, The gospel, you have to be preaching it to yourself. Um, You know, remind yourself of how much you have been forgiven. Big incident that happened in my life. I think I was a sophomore. Um, My youth pastor at the time, Nate, um, had an affair with one of the students in the youth group and ran off and never, I haven't seen him since. Um, and it was really unexpected and really painful. And much like Corey Tim Boom, I was saying, there's no way I'm going to forgive you of this. Like, this, like, scarred my heart. Like, honestly, when Aaron came, I had a hard time trusting him for at first. Um, and, but God actually did work through that, through that hardship, and, you know, made me realize, you know, every time I sin, every time I, you know, lust, every time I lie, every time I think bad thoughts about other people or think ill towards other people, you know, I'm doing just what Nate did to me, just what Nate did to this church. Now, I'm saying, I'm running off of that sin. I'm committing adultery, you know, to God. Um, and yet, every time, he comes back to me, says, come back, I love you. You know, he, he brings me back to himself. If I can remember that, then I can forgive, right? If you can remember that Jesus has loved you once on the cross for all, And He continues to love you every single time you sin. No less, no greater, depending on your circumstances. Always loves you the same. So let me end with this. Just a little food for thought. Nothing will destroy your witness to others about the forgiveness of their sins quicker than the lack of forgiveness in the church. Right? Nobody's going to believe that their sins are actually forgiven if we can't forgive ourselves. We can't forgive each other. Right? We are ambassadors. We represent Christ. If we aren't representing that well, nobody's going to believe us. But on the other hand, nothing builds your witness quicker to others about their forgiveness of sins than when we display forgiveness in the church. So that's my urge for you guys tonight. Uh, and really for the rest of your lives, um, I urge you to forgive. Uh, Remind yourself continually what God has done for you, what Jesus did on the cross. Remember how brutal the cross really was. Uh, And be thankful. 
So I, my prayer for you guys tonight is that you would be able to actually forgive others because you have been forgiven more. So let's pray. Jesus, man, you're good. I love the song we sang to you tonight, um, worthy of your name. Because God, you really are. Um, you really are worthy of every name we could ever come up for you. Every name that's been said in the Bible, you're deserving of it, and you're worth it. God, I pray that as a group we can bring you glory. As individuals, we can bring you glory. Um, and that our witness would be strengthened by displaying your forgiveness with each other. Remind us of the gospel, God, continually. And keep our eyes fixed on you. We love you, Jesus. Thanks for loving us first. In your name we pray. Amen.
yourself into humanity, that you would live a perfect life, you would die as our substitute, that you would forgive us of all of our sins. Uh, God, yeah, we agree that you are worthy of your name. So Christ, we want to honor you, we want to treasure you as our first love, we want to be like you. So help us to love as you love, and Lord, help us to forgive one another, knowing, God, that we have been forgiven of so much more. Uh, thank you, Lord, for this time of singing. Look at your word. We pray that it glorifies you. Amen. Let's take a seat for a quick second. Um, 